baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for another chat about the Atlanta Braves as we get set for the 2021 season. We're in the midst of my positional preview series, and today we're going to take a look at the Atlanta outfield, size up who's going to be starting on opening day, and of course, all the players who could make an impact on the Braves outfield in the 2021 season and beyond. To help me do that this week, I've got a good friend of mine and a voice that Braves fans should be very familiar with, Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network and 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you'd be so nice, tell a friend. That always helps out the show immensely. You can follow along on social media. Find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter as well. Over on Instagram, I am at Grant McCauley. The show is at From the Diamond. And you can find every episode of the show and some bonus interviews and content on the YouTube channel. All you have to do is search for Grant McCauley there. And, of course, if that's not enough for you, maybe I have a little bit more articles and other content at FromTheDiamond.com. So let's continue our Braves positional preview series. And let me welcome in a friend of mine and a friend of the show, Ben Ingram, of course, of the Braves Radio Network. You can hear him calling Braves games on a regular basis. And he's already hard at work this spring. He's been bringing you all the action on the Braves Radio Network. And, of course, 680 The Fan here in Atlanta as well. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ingram Radio. Ben, thanks for making some time. It's been too long since we've gotten to talk about Braves baseball. Yeah, it is. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great time of year, and I'm glad we got an opportunity to do this. Yeah, it's one of the best times of year. I feel like spring training, in a lot of ways, yeah, you have to go through the motions, but in some other ways, it's a little bit like Christmas Eve. You know, like you, you have that excitement that you know it's coming, the good stuff, Christmas morning, but, man, right now you're really getting to get an idea of what this season can look like as guys get out there and really start to get their work in and ramp up for the regular season to follow. Yeah, and I think it's even more of a treat for us this year, given what happened last year. I know that when we get to this time of year, it's so much fun, and you're exactly right. You're so optimistic and uh, so excited for what the season could bring. But after what we went through last season and the uncertainty that we went through in the off season of where we have spring training on time, just to see baseball and, and see it, uh, take place really without a hitch down here. I think that they've done a really nice job with all the protocols and everything to make sure that we're going to see baseball as we expected. And it really is, man. And to be uh, here in the third week of March and know that opening day is coming up really, really quick, it's a success. And I think it was a success last season that, to get 60 games in and crown a champion. And I'd say it's a success what we've seen in spring training. So we needed it in the worst way. And for those of us who eat, drink, breathe, and sleep the game, it's been a definite swing in the right direction. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I am glad that they were able to get in the shortened season last year. It was a different kind of feel and format. And it was more of a sprint than the marathon we're used to in baseball. But 
being able to see the success that the Braves had and, of course, being able to see baseball make that season happen and then have, I think, that experience to draw from as they get back to what we hope will be a more normal 162. Of course, there's some incremental adjustments we'll still be making as far as getting as many fans in the ballpark as we can by season's end, but a lot of hopefulness, I think, that's built off of 2020, the general vibe that you get in spring training each and every year as well. So uh, let's dive into things with the Braves outfield because we know there's a lot of excitement when it comes to that group, and no more exciting player, I think, in a Braves uniform right now than Ronald Acuna Jr., He's 23 years old, Ben, which is kind of crazy. It seems like he just came up, but he's done a lot in a very short amount of time. And I think, at least for me, one of the real disappointments of 2020 was missing out on 100 games of the career of Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, you're right. And getting an opportunity to see him over the last few seasons, all it does is make you want more to watch Ronald. And he's just a special player. And there's so many really talented ball players. There's so many young guys in the game right now that are exciting to watch, but in a day and age where we gravitate towards the young guys, Tatis and others, Soto and others, this guy to me is all his own. Uh, I think he's so uh, unique. I think he's such an original. I watch him, and I just see a young man having so much fun playing the game. Yeah. I think if any of us were as talented as Ronald Acuna <laughs> is, we'd, we'd be having just as much fun as he is because uh-huh. he is that good. But it's great, man, and getting to watch him every single day and knowing what he's capable of. I thought that it was great what Pablo Sandoval said about him just a few days ago, talking about how this kid could be a Hall of Famer. And it's true. I don't want to lay that on someone who's only 23 years old, but he is so talented for, for his age. And just knowing what he could become and what he already is, it's not just going to be great for the Braves. It's going to be great for the game of baseball when you're talking about a guy that could be 40-40 or maybe even 50-50. You never even know. Uh, I don't want to limit a guy who is as talented as he is. So uh, it, it could be tremendous for the game, and you're right. We'll get an opportunity to see him every day, and that's tremendous. Yeah, he flirted with that 40-40 season in 2019, and I feel like he's got his best friend and hype man, Ozzy Albies, in his corner. And now all that 50-50 talk that started about a year ago, I was excited about it. And if he wants to try it out, I won't argue against it. He's got the talent to certainly hit those home runs and steal those bases. But I got to talk to Pablo a little bit earlier this week and asked him about what he's seen from Ronald. And both of those guys hail from Venezuela, which is a a country that has a lot of great baseball heritage there, of course. But the only Hall of Famer as of right now is Luis Aparicio. So uh, for Ronald to become a Hall of Famer, I think Miggy Cabrera might beat him there. But either way, I mean, this is the kind of pedigree that this guy already has. He's gotten the attention of the baseball world and Pablo Sandoval said 1,000% was his number on Ronald being a Hall of Famer. So Mm -hmm. who am I to quibble with that? But either way, uh, a lot of excitement there. And for Pablo, has to be kind of unique because he played with Ronald Sr. back in Venezuela as well. And now he's playing with Ronald Jr. So that's kind of a unique bloodline they've got going there. But with Ronald, we saw what he can do last year in a shortened season. 14 homers and 46 games. He had to deal with a little bit of a nagging injury, I think, Ben. But he was still on a 40-homer pace despite the sore wrist. He was still in the top 10, I believe, or top 15 and wins above replacement in the National League. And he also began to, I felt like, even though he strikes out a decent amount, that walk rate really jumped last year. So I saw some good things, even in a short amount of time, from Ronald Acuna Jr. that has me once again excited to see what he can do over the course of 162 to up his game yet again. And those are the numbers that I think you're going to continue to see go up with more experience. And that's the great thing because you look at Ronald and say, well, how much better can he be? Uh, at 23 years old, and I think it's the patience, it's seeing the strike zone, it's drawing walks, it's things like that that he's going to get better and better at. 
And you're right about the Venezuela tie-in, because I think there's such an expectation coming from that country. I think there's an expectation coming from his family. You mentioned his sure. dad and his grandfather in the minor leagues, and he's got four cousins who made it to the big leagues, and he expects that from himself. And I think for a young man who's having as much fun as he is, it's easy to miss the hard work that gets put in. It's easy because of how much fun he's having to miss uh, some of the numbers that can incrementally go up uh, from age 21 to age 24. It's such yeah. a small time period. But, but I, I think that's what you're going to see with him. And, and now that he knows what his role is, I think that helps as well. I mean, you talk about the couple of years ago when, when the Braves put him at cleanup, and I thought it made some sense because he's a run producer, but it just didn't fit him. He mm-hmm. fits perfectly at the top of the order. And I think to myself what it must be like for some of these opposing pitchers night in, night out, to where they say play ball, you toe the slab, and the first guy you see is this guy coming up to the plate. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, here we go. I mean, we're yeah. jumping right into the deep end uh, when you're talking about him leading off an order. So uh, he can be whatever he wants to be in this game. And the fact that we get to watch that develop with him in a Braves uniform is just awesome. And knowing that with a contract that he signed, you're going to get – you should get the best years of his career in a Braves uniform. For a kid who's just 23 and doing what he's doing, you're right. And, and I think that you're going to continue to see his attack, his approach, his swing all slightly get better and better and better to where he's not just home runs, RBIs, and flashy numbers. He is some other numbers that are helping the ball club win, getting himself on base, getting himself in position to score more runs. And that's just going to come naturally. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think just with his talent and his age and playing every day, the outcome of that is going to be those statistics that you talked about getting better. And we look back at it the last three or four years of his career and say, wow, look what he's done in this department or that department and how that's translated into helping the ball club win more. So it's fun to think about what we'll see this year, but it's even more fun to think about what he could continue to develop into in the next three or four years. Absolutely. And knowing that he's going to be doing this in a Braves uniform for quite some time, signed through 2028 if you include the team options in his contract, which I'm sure the Braves are very excited about. Additionally, as you look at what Ronald did, you talk about the hard work. I know people see it with social media becoming much more prevalent in the way that we consume our sports. Uh, watching some of the workouts Ronald was going through over the offseason had me very excited because I could see that he trimmed down a little bit. Not that he was in bad shape last year, but I think he bulked up a little bit, maybe feeling like, hey, I need to take my game to another level and maybe a little bit more size will be helpful for him. But I think he's trimmed back down to more of his 2018-2019 playing weight. And a run at 40 mm-hmm. 40 is not going to surprise me, but I guess kind of a, a question that we could answer a lot of different ways with a lot of glowing compliments. What do you expect out of Ronald Acuna in the year 2021? I think he'll be electric at the top of the order. So long as he's healthy, I expect a guy to go up there and, and hit home runs and get on base and steal bases. More than anything, I think where this guy can be really impressive is in the runs department because yeah. while he's going to drive in runs and hit a bunch of home runs and things like that, I don't see why this guy could not be every single year, 100 run scorer. I I just, I mean, with the bats that are behind him and knowing how often he could be on base, to me, that's the number that I will view more than anything. I'd love to see him get 40-40, and I'd love to see a good average and and all that stuff. But I just want to see him on base because if he is, he's going to be scoring a bunch of runs. And and this team is going to score runs, and I think it's going to work out perfectly for him. So that's my biggest expectation for him. I just cannot wait to get to the end of the season and see how many he scores because, to me, I think he's going to be on base a ton. And with those guys behind him, there there should be – 
no shortage of, of great statistics for him, but I think he'll score a ton for this ball club. Yeah, it's really a production line, and it does start at the top. And a career-high on base percentage for Ronald last year, up over 400 for the first time. As I mentioned, that walk rate, of course, is a big part of that. And Ben talked about the selectivity at the plate that Ronald also showed last year. And I would imagine those will be the trends that you're going to want to be watching here in 2021. And I would say over under Ben, 120 runs for Ronald Acuna Jr. If he scores that many this year, which I certainly think he can, it's going to be a great sign for that Braves offense. It'll be enormous. And I think that's a target that he should be able to hit, not just this year. I think that could be an every single year kind of thing for him. And and you're not used to talking about leadoff guys being potential 100 RBI guys. I remember Chipper telling us one time that the way that he would be in the success of a season, his best season for the years where he drove in 100 and scored 100. And Ronald, even though he's going to be at the top of the order, I wouldn't put it past him. I really wouldn't. And and we're used to saying that for two, three, four hitters now, be able to drive at 100 runs. I don't want to put that past him. I really think that he could be the kind of guy, and a lot of that's out of his hands. You're going to, especially with a pitcher batting ninth and him hitting leadoff, and uh, maybe doesn't get quite as many RBI opportunities as he would with a DH in there. But I think he could be that kind of a player, and my expectation for him is, wouldn't you say that top 10 in the MVP voting should be a year-in-year-out thing for him? Because I think we all think that he's that kind of a player. Because think of all these numbers that we're throwing out there. Think about all these statistical categories. There's just so much value there. And I don't want to blow the kid up and act like he's you know the second coming of whomever. But I do see all these intangibles, I do see all this value and so many things that he can do and is going to continue to get better at. Uh, you mentioned his trimming down a little bit. I mean, at 23, he's extremely strong. He's hitting yeah. home runs, and I don't even think he's man-strong yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about how much stronger a player gets when they're 26, 27, 28, and it's as if it's a whole new level of, of strength that a player can have, and he's not even there yet. So. I would expect that he's going to be the I-can-do-everything type of player. And it wouldn't shock me if he got to the end of the season. He was amongst the leaders in multiple statistical categories and considered for top five, top ten in the MVP voting because I do think that there's that much value there for what he does. Yeah, I'd co-sign that. I think top five in the MVP over the course of a full season with his talent and having all the tools and really a lot of the intangible stuff that you can't teach, stuff that – generational talents have. I mean, this is what Ronald Acuna Jr. has shown us over the past three seasons. I'm very much ready to see what he can give us in 2021. I know Braves fans are as well. And when you talk about run production and run scoring, a guy that could be driving Ronald Acuna Jr. in more than a few times this year, of course, is going to be batting, we assume right now, clean up, but perhaps third in the order. We'll find out how all that stuff goes. But it's a guy that I felt was essential to the Braves getting back to where they were in 2020. We waited a long time over the winter to see what the whole deal was going to be with Marcelo Zuna. Can the Braves bring him back? And, in fact, they can. They did. And he's going to be around for up to the 2025 season on a pretty nice little contract as well. So excited to see Marcel back, 30 years of age this year. And when the Braves didn't bring Josh Donaldson back into the fold after 2019, a lot of people wondered if this offense was going to take a step back, if they could find somebody to replace that kind of production in the middle of the order. The answer was an emphatic yes. And, Ben, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ozuna last year had a chance to become the National League's first Triple Crown winner since 1937. He led in homers. He led in RBI. He was third with a 338 batting average, and that was so good, that number, 
It would have won the batting title in nine of the last 11 years. That's how good Marcelo Zuna was last year. But who am I telling? You saw it firsthand. The thing that jumped out to me was is how strong this guy is. And, and I've continued to watch that this spring. I don't know that there's a stronger player in the clubhouse. He had a home run the other day in Fort Myers at JetBlue Park that uh, I didn't know that was going to get out or not. He just, I mean, it went straight up into the air. And I'm thinking to myself, he pretty much one-handed that thing and got it out. And we've seen, we saw glimpses of that. I mean, you go back to when he was in Miami, and, and he had such a great season in 2016 and 2017 and was uh, an all-star each of those seasons. And then he goes to St. Louis, and perhaps the, the, the production drops off a little bit. But what we saw last year was, I think, what you expected him to develop into perhaps in St. Louis. I'd imagine people in St. Louis were looking at his numbers last year and thinking, what, this is what we thought You're we right. were getting. Uh, in in 18 and 19, and and it just wasn't quite there. And I don't know what the reasons were for that, but it worked out so well for the Braves last season. Hitting for average the way that he did, and I know there was a 60-game sprint, but still I didn't expect that. I expected the home runs. I expected the RBIs. I expected a bunch of strikeouts, but I didn't expect a 338 batting average. And he goes out there, and he he struck out 60 times in in 60 games, Mm -hmm. which that's fine with me. Given the production that he's giving, he's on base a ton. Mm-hmm. But the 338 average to me was what really shocked me. And I didn't know that was going to be an anomaly, if that's just a one year thing for him. Even if that is the case, even if he's hitting, let's say he hits 290 with the numbers that he put up in home runs and RBIs, I think we're thrilled with that. Yeah, uh, completely thrilled with that. So, uh, one of the biggest strengths of this team last season was the relentlessness of the order. The lineup top to bottom was so strong. When I mean, you're talking about guys like Dansby and Austin hitting towards the bottom mm-hmm. and knowing that there just weren't too many places to find outs. I, I feel like that, that lineup would have been an exhausting lineup to go through if I'm an opposing pitcher the second time, the third time through, because there just wasn't a break anywhere. When the Braves were in the offseason, they had not signed Marcelo Zuni yet. I think you still felt pretty good about the lineup. But you had to have that guy in there that was going to lengthen the lineup, that was going to protect Freddie, that was going to be uh, a dangerous guy who could go up there and, and hit you a, a three-run bomb any time of the game. And there aren't too many guys out there to like that. Uh, I, I don't think there were two outside of making some monster trade. Yeah. I didn't see too many guys that really fit outside of Marcel. And the difference in Ozuna and Donaldson, to me, was their age. I mean, you, you didn't yeah. want to do that with Donaldson because he's four years older than Marcelo Ozuna. Yep. It was just too much of a risk, and I think it was the right decision. I mean, I, I love J.D., but he wasn't healthy last season. He's hardly been healthy here at spring training. He's, he's still delicately going through the calf injury and, and trying to maneuver and, and find a way to play every single day. I know that some of the Twins people were telling us that even in games where he's not in the starting lineup, he's not going to be available to come off the bench and pinch it late in the game. When he's off, he's off. He feels like there's this strenuous routine that he has to go through daily to get his calf where it needs to be in order to play a major league game. And that just isn't worth the price tag to to have that guy completely unavailable, even for pinch hit opportunities uh, late in ball games. So getting Marcel for what you got him for four years younger than, than Josh Donaldson, to me, it just made plenty of sense. And the left field thing didn't bother me for a couple of reasons. I mean, number one, when you signed them originally, you didn't know that you were going to have a DH in the National League for 2020. Right. So you signed him to be the left fielder. Is he going to go win the gold glove? No, but I don't think he's a complete butcher out there. And he's going to 
cost you some runs, I'm sure, here and there with his defensive play, but he's going to gain you so many good opportunities and wins with his offense. So I didn't mind that at all, and I feel like once we get to 2022, you'll have a DH in the National League, and he can transition into that role. But uh, he's just a strong, strong hitter, uh, and I hope that the average can be what it was last season, and it's been fun to watch him the last few days because he's gotten everyday playing time. I think he played in three out of four games down here, and I could see how that benefited him a ton. He had a slow spring last year. He had been pretty slow up at spring training up until this past week. And then getting consistent A-Bs in consecutive games, I think, helped him a ton. And He's got a swagger all his own. Mm -hmm. He's similar to Acuna, just has a blast out there playing. And he knows he's good. And I can't wait to see him in 162 for the Braves. I think that translates to the rest of the team as well when you got a player with that kind of confidence and, of course, that kind of ability that breeds the confidence. I mean, Marcel... Really, it felt like even though Josh Donaldson brought a lot of, I think, credibility to the middle of the order and a lot of swagger in a, in a different kind of way, the confidence that a winning club certainly needs, Marcel came in and there wasn't a drop-off in that department. If anything, they might have taken mm-hmm. it up to another level when they were out there mixing it up after just about every big hit that they had over the course of that season and, of course, into the playoffs as well where he had some pretty big moments for the Braves. And one thing I know that you you know, Ben, because you're seeing the eye test of it, you mentioned that homer he hit the other day in Fort Myers, but StatCast loves this guy. His batted ball rates are always among baseball's best. He hits the ball hard almost all the time. And, and somehow last year, I went back and looked at this because I had to know what was the difference between St. Louis Ozuna and Atlanta Ozuna. He found more barrels last year, had a career best exit velocity, which we always knew it was good and the highest hard hit percentage of his career. So not to get totally bogged down in a StatCast-type broadcast, but if you're looking for reasons why he was so good, this guy hits the ball hard consistently, and it makes him one of baseball's best when it comes to that. And the numbers, I think, finally caught up with some of the things that were always there for Marcel, but you know, maybe it just was a perfect storm for Atlanta last year as well. Isn't it funny how they can just do that? Where you're talking about hitting the ball harder and mm-hmm. catching more barrels, and it's such a hard game to be great at. And the fact that he could go from where he was to an even higher level uh, and do that is, is tremendous. He's a bad dude, and I love watching guys like that play. And uh, each strike feared me if I were a pitcher. I mean, I make a mistake, and he's going to put it through a wall somewhere. So. Having that guy behind Freddie, I mean, I, I can't imagine what that's like for opposing pitchers and opposing pitching coaches to strategize for night in, night out, knowing that we don't want number five to beat us, but look who's hitting right behind mm-hmm. him. I mean, it's, like I said, this dude's strong as they can be, and he's going to punish some baseball. So home runs, doubles, gapper, that's the name of the game in 2021. We've known that for a while. It gets you paid in Major League Baseball. And I know that some people might say, well, I need uh, maybe that's not the best way to look at it, but I think that's the that's the honest to goodness truth. Yep. I mean, it, it's great to make contact and be a singles hitter, but if you want to get paid in this game, you better hit bombs in 2021. Yep. And it, like we've talked about before, we know that the strikeout numbers are going up, and I don't think some players seem to care. I wouldn't say that Marcel's this all-or-nothing kind of guy. I think he like he certainly saw the average last year. It's not like he's going up there and hitting mm-hmm. bombs or, or strikeouts every single time. But he knows that being that guy, playing that role, being that kind of a player in the big leagues is going to lead to a, a longer career, a, a wealthier career, and a lot more fun. So you started with something, Grant, that I thought was a really good point, talking about going from Donaldson to Ozuna and – taking it up a notch even perhaps with the energy that this guy brings. 
And I think some people might say, well, okay, at the end of the day, that's great, but that's not all that important. Well, for baseball, I think that it is. Absolutely. Because you're playing every single day. You're playing 162. You need guys like that. And when you're winning it, everybody's having a good time. But I think you need guys like that who are, are sources of energy. And whether it's the selfie thing that he's doing or the mix-it-up thing, <laughs> it, it just all played together with, with what he brought to the team. And I think that's infectious. And when you're playing in the dog days of summer and it's 100 degrees out there and you still got 50 games to go, man, you need those guys. And you can't just – say a guy is going to be that. That's something that a guy's born with or he yep. isn't. And Marcel is as much of an energy producer for the clubhouse as anybody I've ever seen. Definitely. He really was. And, and it brought a lot of fun, I think, for the fan base to rally around him. He'd go out there and produce the way he did. It didn't take him long to become a fan favorite, both for the general populace of Braves country, but also inside that clubhouse, which is always important, being able to add more than you take away from that group. And Marcel certainly did that last year. Ben, you brought up the fact that he's going to be playing more outfield this year, barring some kind of last minute of the DH being reinstated in the National League. Marcel is going to play some left field, and he may not be among the best fielders out there, but I think the Braves have a bit of a secret weapon in that regard in that they have one of the best defensive outfielders that we've seen in the Braves system since Andrew Jones and probably the best defensive outfielder in all the minor leagues in Christian Pache. We got that sneak peek of him last year. He got pressed into duty in the NLCS. I don't think he looked overwhelmed whatsoever with the lights on bright there. I thought he had a great showing for himself at the plate. I thought he made some plays in the outfield that just made you go, wow, this is exactly what I've heard about. Uh, What have you seen out of Christian Pache this spring, and how excited are you for where he slots into the Braves, not just defensively, but you know, jumping into this lineup where I feel like there's not much pressure on him at the plate other than just kind of the individual things that every hitter is going to have. I'm more excited about Christian than I thought I was going to be. And that, I don't want that to come off the wrong way. Okay. I thought that his bat was going to continue to evolve and, and slowly get to a place where you felt like production-wise he was going to give you something offensively. I didn't really care if he went out there and hit 220 and, and hardly hit any home runs so long as he brought what he brought defensively. I, I didn't no problem with that whatsoever. But I've seen some things in his approach of the plate this spring that, to me, it's made him look like a more experienced hitter, a guy that has been around longer than he has. And that got my attention. I've seen this guy this spring, and I don't really remember this too much last season, but I've seen a steady approach of him going the other way. I've seen teams down here shift on him, and he's done really well at going through the right side. And I've watched that and thought to myself, I don't remember him doing that much. Now, I don't know how much they were shifting against him last season, but I have seen it pretty much every single day down here. I feel like he's getting shifted on, and he's uh-huh. gone through the right side. He's had a little bit of bad luck. He just about hit a, an opposite field home run against the Red Sox in the yeah. first week we were here. And a, a guy robbed him right in front of the bullpen. It was a great catch. But he's hit some liners to right field where I just thought, man, this guy's approach is so much further along than I thought it was going to be. And I know that if he's getting on base, that's all you need because he can turn a single into a double. He can swipe a bag. He can score from first. I mean, this guy's got wheels. We know that. And if he's getting on base regularly, think about that situation for Acuna and Albies coming up to the plate with one on base and maybe one out Yeah. with Christian being that runner. So I think that that could be extremely dangerous uh, for other teams that are facing the Braves this season. So that's what I've seen out of Christian. I've been so excited to watch him play in the outfield every single day for a while. I remember watching him two years ago when the team was still at Disney, 
and thinking to myself, this is the best defender in this organization for the outfield. Not just uh, minor league guys. This is anybody. I thought he was better than everybody who was better than Ender, better than Acuna. Throw anybody out there. I watched this guy track balls. I never saw him dive. I saw him get to everything. He's got a good arm. And they're just balls that he would get such a good break on that I never thought that he'd have a chance to get to, and he'd run them down, wouldn't even have to dive. And he, right out of the gate, made a big impression on me defensively. And I thought to myself, if this kid just hits a little bit, he's going to be a star in the big leagues. And that's what we're starting to see. And we saw him last season in the postseason. And really, Grant, moments that – were way bigger than he deserved to be in. And what I mean by that is is he just kind of got thrown in. Absolutely. And it would have been very easy for him to be just completely overwhelmed at 21 years old. And there he is hitting the home run in the NLCS. He had that double as well. And he had some, some good some big base hits in moments that you would think would be too big for someone of, of, of as little experience as he had. And he jumped right in, rolled his sleeves up, and got after it. It was yeah. so much fun to watch. And uh, I know that we always compare players to other players. Sometimes that's fair. Sometimes it's unfair. And I don't want to make too much out of it. But it was, I mean, we were all talking about Andrew in, in 1996, and he's hitting the two home runs as a 19-year-old and thinking, wow, how is this kid doing this in Yankee Stadium? And it, it had kind of a, a flair of that yeah. with, with what he was doing last season, being in that moment and coming through some of the times that he did. So that was fun to watch. I think he drew a lot of confidence from that. And then just watching him in center field every single day, that's really where he's going to be tremendous. To me, he's my opening day center fielder, no doubt about it. I felt that way for a while. Just putting him out there, man, in between Acuna and and, uh, and Ozuna, he's going to make some amazing plays this season. And I think he's going to be on the highlight reel a ton. And I think he's going to be extremely consistent. But more than just the flashy catches, I think he's going to be – fundamentally sound. I think you're going to see him throwing to the right bag. I think you're going to see him making good throws. I think you're going to see him throwing guys out of the plate, making good approaches on balls that he knows that he's got an opportunity to throw out a player upon making a catch. He's just fundamentally sound, uh, as I've seen. And for someone who's 21, 22 years old, it's it's a blast to know that he could be doing this for a really long time. So that outfield, say what you want about Arizona, but I think a, a lot of uh, maybe some of the limitations that he'll have in left field can be picked up by a center fielder because I think he is that good. Absolutely, and that's really where you start to take the strengths of the team and put them all together rather than just looking at the one piece of the puzzle and maybe trying to disqualify some things that don't look as good for one guy. Well, there's somebody else playing over to his, say, immediate left in the case of Ozuna being in left and you know having a Christian Pache patrolling center field that at least you feel a little bit better about when a ball is hit into the gap there or maybe into shallow left center field even. I mean, this is a guy that I remember that phrase about Andrelton Simmons years ago. He's hunting for outs. He's going to find those. And I mm-hmm. think that you, you hit on a really key point there about just how smart he is as a fielder. And I know that you and I had the chance to talk to Drew Waters, who we'll talk about you know in a little bit. But Pache got to the big leagues first. The glove, I think, has really been the thing that's defined him thus far He's been a sneaky good hitter as he's grown at the plate in the minors. I mean, in 2019, collected nearly 60 extra base hits, which I think might surprise some people. He finally started hitting some homers. He can leg out some doubles and triples. He can steal a few bases as well. But the thing that struck me about asking Drew Waters about Christian Pache was everything that you just said. I don't think I've seen him dive for a ball. He's making catches that I'm never going to get to. I'm going to fall all over myself. He just makes it look easy, and I think that, to bring it full circle, 
is how you get compared to Andrew Jones over a long period of time in the minors thus far for Pache going into what is fourth, fifth full professional season. I think mm-hmm. I've been hearing the Andrew thing since day one. It feels like that's how special this kid has been as far as that's concerned. And uh, as you go back and look at that NLCS, I really thought it was amazing how it kind of echoed, as you said, what Andrew Jones did as a 19-year-old. But what struck me, Christian Pache got four official at-bats in 2020 because he spent all that time at the alternate site. And then it's, congratulations, kid. You're now starting in the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. And he really answered that call for the Braves. Yeah, it's either fight or flight, right? Yeah. You get that opportunity. You want to get to the big leagues, but you don't expect to be just completely thrown into the deep end in, in the biggest games the franchise has had in the last 20 years. And he was, and he answered the call. And that's how good he is. I think that you, you knew that he'd be able to make any plays that you needed, but whatever he gave you offensively was going to be an added bonus, and, and he gave you that. I don't know where they view him down the road, where they see him in the order. I have no idea. Sure. I don't know what his limitations could be. but and, and it's not going to be easy hitting eighth. I mean, we all know that. But the good news is I don't think we – you're not relying on him to go up there and blow it up offensively. Yeah. You're not relying on him to be some humongous source of offense that you need, and if he doesn't come through, you're not scoring runs. I think he's in a pretty safe place to where he can do as much damage as he can, but if he's not hitting the home run ball, if he's going through a drought, if he's not able to get on base, you've got plenty of other guys who can, and he doesn't have to wear the pressure of, I'm in a little bit of a slump right now. And, and that's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen for everybody, but especially for a kid who's 22 years old and going into his first full season in the big leagues, He's going to learn so much this season, and there are going to be countless uh, learning moments for him that are ultimately going to be really, really good for him. But I just like knowing that there's not this pressure of him having to do anything offensively to carry the team or whatever it may yeah. be. You just got to go out there and, and be the dominant center fielder that you can be. And it wouldn't shock any of us if he won a gold glove in center mm-hmm. field as early as this season. That's how good he can be. So. Uh, get on base, and I think he's going to have some moments in the season where he's going through a hot streak, and we're, we're saying to ourselves, wow, look what Christian's doing in the eight hole. Yeah, uh, This is a huge lift for this team. He's such a dangerous uh, guy for this ball club, but he gets on base, and he's scoring some runs, and he's putting himself in some opportunities to score when the top of the order comes up, and that'll be exciting to watch. Yeah, it's a really well-rounded player. The speed, if you're into the whole stat cast, sprint speed, leaderboard, Christian Pache was right there, neck and neck, just behind Ronald Acuna Jr. as the fastest member of the Atlanta Braves in 2020. I would expect those two might be having that uh, proverbial race for a while in the Braves outfield and, of course, around the base paths as well. Just a really exciting player. And that I do think, Ben, I agree with you on Pache and opening day. I feel like he has to be your center fielder at this point. You tapped him, as you said, in the most important games that the club has played in two decades. This is a kid you had to turn to there and he answered that call. He passed that test to me, and he's in a place where he can really grow into and find himself at the plate a little bit without the pressure of having to be the second-place hitter, the leadoff guy, the cleanup hitter, whatever it may be. Christian Pache doesn't have to deal with a lot of that, which makes him a bit different than Ronald Acuna Jr. in that respect because I think from day one, Acuna at 19, 20 years old was expected to come up and really anchor a big part of the lineup, whereas Pache not going to have the same kind of hey, the franchise is counting on you, kids, so go out there and carry us or help carry us into the postseason. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to just be able to kind of organically, naturally fit into what is a really well-rounded team. So 
I think that's going to be your starting outfield on opening day with Acuna in right, Pache in center, and Ozuna in left. But it leaves, Ben, some questions about what the Braves bench is going to look like, uh, perhaps who's going to be that defensive replacement that you might need for Marcel Ozuna on occasion as well. And the Braves have no shortage of candidates in camp this year. And one name that kind of stands out above the rest is somebody who's been around for a while but has really fallen on hard times, especially at the plate and in the injury department, and that's Ender Inciarte. The Braves have just not gotten much out of him from the past couple of years. It does look like Pache is about to supplant him in center field. It's just kind of a matter of time. But, Ben, I think the thing that struck me the most is, yeah, he struggled at the plate, but last year Ender just really seemed to struggle in the field and the advanced metrics. Really, it was a totally different player out there, and I just don't know what to make of it for Inciarte, but it seems like his time with Atlanta, it's kind of on the brink right now, and I'm sure I'm not alone in kind of having that sentiment at this point with just the way things have trended the last couple of years. Yeah, I think if there were an opportunity, I don't mean this to sound harsh, but I think if there were an opportunity for him to have been traded, I think they would do that. But just exactly what you're talking about, and that's just part of the business of the game. His numbers have been on the decline. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we watched the guy who a few seasons ago was a a 200-hit a year type of player, and those numbers have fallen off, and he's not quite the, he doesn't have the power that he once had. He's, he's not hitting the ball all that hard, and he's still a really good defensive player, and that's where he can help you a ton. And, and you mentioned coming in late in ball games defensively for Marcelo Zuna. The other day, we saw him play left field, and I know he's played left field in some 60 whatever games he's had sure. in his career. He's, he's been in left, but we've not seen that at Atlanta. And I think that was eye-opening to me where, okay, for what you're paying him, he could serve a role where if he's coming off your bench, he can go out there in left field in the eighth, ninth innings of ball games and be that defensive replacement. You can pinch run with him. He can, If you had to get a button down, you'd hope that he could do that if, if that's something that you want to do. I know you don't see near as much of that sacrifices sure. in 2020, 2021. But you're searching for things that he can do to help the ball club. And you hate for the business side of things to dictate what you do with your roster. But that's just the reality reality of baseball in 2021 and I think that's what you're hoping that he could do if you have him on this ball club and there are some things that he could do and that that would be his role and most of that would would involve his feet and his glove and hopefully he could if he gets a pinch hit opportunity late in games or he gets an opportunity to give a guy a blow in the outfield and get a start here and there maybe he can show some production but you're just hoping that he can do something offensively to get it going in the right direction you don't need to go out there and hit bombs Right. But if you can just get some base knocks and, and get on base, and even that's been a challenge for him. Um, down here, when he's getting on base, he's drawing walks or he's hit by a pitch. We've, we've not seen too many line drives from Ender. We've not seen a whole lot of contact, lots of pop-outs, grounders to the mound, grounders to second. Mm-hmm. And I'm no hitting expert. I don't know how you break out of that or how you change as a player, but you're hoping that something clicks and it can give you some kind of offensive value because I think outside of that, there is value that he can bring in a specific role for this ball club. Yeah, and that may be what it is, is finding a role that'll work because over the last couple of years combined, he's hit 225 with a 314 on base and a slugging percentage below 350 and only played 111 games. Of course, last year was only going to be a 60-game season anyway, but last year was a disastrous year at the plate for him. And even though he's a three-time gold glover, those advanced metrics in the outfield is UZR 150, was way, way down, and this is a guy we remember making all these you know, great catches, a lot of good mm-hmm. throws and things that really kind of cemented his value as a gold-glove outfielder. He had a 2018 with 16 defensive runs saved. Each of the last two seasons, negative one 
defensive run save. That really did just jumped off the page at me because I knew it. It wasn't the same, but sometimes the numbers can fool you. But from the eye test as well, last year, it just didn't seem like he was particularly comfortable and, of course, really never got on track as well. And I think you brought up an interesting point with the value of the plate low and his fielding perhaps taking a bit of a step back as well. I mean, there's good reason business-wise to wonder if he provides enough value to justify that spot on the bench, let alone getting regular at bats. But the Braves also owe this guy $8.7 million this year and another million on a buyout of a team option that they're not going to pick up next season. So you really get into the business of baseball as well and whether or not the Braves want to bite the bullet. And I don't imagine they do. I mean, maybe a contract swap, something like that. But it may just be one of those cases of just trying to hold on a little bit longer and see if this guy can, as you said, figure something out. I think either way you'd have to get creative, don't no, you? No I mean, doubt. If you'd make something happen, it's, okay, we're going to pay 5 or $6 million of the owed money and cut your ties and see what you can come up with. I don't know. I, I, it, it's interesting to think about. You're talking about his defensive numbers, and we go back to just a few years ago where he was defensively and offensively. And where he is now, I mean, you could make the argument that it's more than just a decline. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really a free fall offensively. I wonder how much of that tied into the other, where offensively he's going well, well, therefore the defensive side was going well too. I mean, I've heard players talk about bringing a slump in from the field and right. taking it up to the plate, where an error or some inconsistent play in the field could affect what you're doing or really not doing at the plate. I wonder how much of that is the case for Ender. I don't know. We'll probably never know. But for someone who is where he was a few years ago, and for a guy who's only 30 years old, mm-hmm. I mean, you would expect that some of those numbers, okay, if you're not going to be putting up 200-hit seasons and you're not going to be winning the gold glove uh, like you were a few seasons ago, fine. But maybe you're just a few steps back of that, not where it is now. It's quite the mystery seeing how things have gone over the last few seasons for someone who's only 30 years old. Yeah, very enigmatic, I would say, might be the best way to describe his play of late. And the Braves will have a decision to make as we head towards opening day here. He's missed a little bit of time this spring with a thumb injury. Doesn't look like anything major, but I think every bat, every opportunity Ender has this year is going to be pretty important for him, not only for his time with the Braves, but perhaps the trajectory of his career going forward in the last year of the multi-year deal he signed with Atlanta, what, four or five years ago. So uh, those are the guys that I think you know are either known commodities or what we would expect to be the starting outfield in the case of Acuna, Ozuna, and Pache. But there are some other guys in camp that I think from – the outfield candidate standpoint might be pretty likely to make a play on the Braves bench here or there, at least one or two of them. I like Phil Irvin quite a bit. He was a pretty good player, pretty useful player as a fourth outfielder for the Reds. Uh, Guillermo Heredia was also in camp. He's a 30-year-old. He's got some big league experience with a number of teams. And the same can be said for Abraham Almonte. Did you like any of the things you've seen from these guys thus far who were kind of fighting for a spot on the Braves bench? Well, what I've seen, I think I like Heredia a little bit more, but okay. that's there's not a ton of separation. I think that Almonte and Irvin are, are neck and neck. I think with Heredia, there have been a few more moments where I've been slightly more impressed. I thought defensively he's made some really good plays. But at the same time, that's not me giving a stamp of approval saying it's Guillermo Heredia and nobody sure. else. There just hasn't been a ton of separation at all, and, and that's, I think, understandable. I mean, none of those guys have been really bad where you'd eliminate anybody. We just haven't seen anybody take that job and run with it, mm-hmm. which is probably the norm. I mean, here we are, like I said, three weeks into March, and I think we've gotten to the point where we've identified the two or three guys for all of these competitions that we expect to be competing, and now what do they do in the last week and a half? 
in the last week and a half who steps up. And I really think there's some tough decisions coming for Smith where it might just be who has the hotter hand on the final day of spring training. I mean, it could come down to that. Uh, they've got some tough decisions when it comes to uh, who gets that spot until Soroka's ready in the rotation. They've got some tough decisions when it comes to the backup catcher, uh, tough decisions when it comes to your infielder. And I'd say the same thing for the outfield. Well, you've got two, three guys who are pretty much neck and neck, and you're just waiting on some separation. In other words, someone to surge forward, not for somebody to fall off and the other guy win it by default. Uh, and, and I think that's a good thing because it breeds really good competition. I think whomever wins this job, I feel good about them being in that role this year, whether that's Heredia, Almonte, Urban. I feel good about those guys making contact, coming up with a plate and a pinch hit opportunity. Uh, I feel good about those guys defensively. None of those guys have been bad. I think all those guys have been about where you expect them to be. And while I like Heredia's swing a little bit better, I think he could be slightly more of a contact hitter. He's just marginally ahead, I'd say, of the other two. So, so much so that if Let's say Abraham Almonte went out there and over the next four or five days came away with four or five knocks, and he'd quickly jump to the top of the pack. I think that's how quickly this thing could move. So I think that's where those guys are. And it's been a good competition. We'll continue to see it. And whomever you get, I think, will do fine and and play that role pretty well because they've got experience. They're all 28, 29, 30 years old. And uh, whatever you want that role to be, I think those guys are plenty capable of serving that role for this ball club. And the other interesting thing, I think, at this time of the spring, when you get into that last week or 10 days, is that other clubs are going to have tough decisions to make as well. And we flash back mm-hmm. to 2019 when the Matt Joyce trade happened with, what, 48 hours at most to go before the start of the season. It seemed like he was just getting flown right in. And he made the opening day roster. And, of course, Joyce was a really useful player for the Braves a couple of years ago. There could be another Matt Joyce out there for the Braves. And I'm sure Alex Anthopoulos will be looking for those to kind of finish off this roster. But, yeah, I I think it's been a decent competition between these guys in camp. They've been useful players. And in reserve role, I think that they would fit in on the Braves bench, which is still kind of coming into focus, as you mentioned, in a number of different spots. So as we close this out, I, I know that we've talked about all the big league options here, but it's always fun to talk about prospects and the Braves still have some good outfield prospects beyond just Christian Pache. We always hear about Drew Waters along with Christian because they've played pretty much at the same level or, or parallel to one another for quite a few years now, and I think he's going to be over at the alternate site, resume his career at AAA, but he's an exciting switch hitter. Maybe we see him in 2021, but if not, if he has a good year in AAA, I think he'd be competing for a starting job, perhaps in left field if the DH is back as soon as 2022. Mm-hmm. What's your read on Drew Waters thus far? I hate to say this, but I feel like people gravitate towards whatever the new shiny thing is. And right now, that's Michael Harris. Uh And and I think it's taken some attention away from Drew Waters. And and I'm a big fan of Michael Harris. We all are. It's been fun to see him have the success he's had in spring training. But I don't think that it by any means should diminish what Drew Waters is. I think Drew is a a phenomenal player and a guy who's only 22 years old. And, And we're at a time now... And this is really interesting. If you go back 30 years in baseball, you're talking about guys who are 22 years old. They're still extremely young. Maybe you didn't expect to get them to get to the big leagues until they're 23, 24, and maybe it was an older man's game at that point. Well, it's a younger man's game now more than ever. And I think sometimes that's unfair because if a guy gets to 23, 24 years old, and he hasn't gotten to the big leagues, we say, well, something's wrong with this guy. He's not the prospect that we thought he was. He's not quite the the player that we thought that he was, which is really outrageous to me. And Drew's not that guy. He's only 22, so I don't mean to say that his time has passed, 
But I think a lot of people thought that he should be here by now, or we would have seen him by now. And, and it's just not that easy. It, it just really isn't that everybody can be a Cunha or Soto or yeah. Tatis, where they're MVPs when they're 21 years old. Drew Waters is a very talented ball player. And like you said, if you wanted to look into the crystal ball and get down the road a year, the best thing that could happen for him or Harris or any, any guys like them in any other organization to the National League would be for the DH to come along. Uh, because whether you have a Marcelo Arizona or not, that's still opening up another opportunity, and, and likely you're going to have uh, an outfielder take that DH role for a lot of teams. That would certainly be the case for the Braves, where Marcelo would be your DH uh, for 2022, and there's left field wide open. Yeah. And what a competition that would be. But if you really want to, to take a look at the entire thing from the organization's perspective, what a great thing to have. I mean, no what, a, what a great set of circumstances to have, knowing that you've got – Marcel, who can play left, or if you have your DHs, that's what he is. You've got two guys right now who are 20 and 22 years old in Harrison Waters who could compete hard for that spot. Uh, and there's just so much depth there. So I've always said this with prospects. I mean, they can help you in two ways. They can either help you win at the big league level wearing your team's uniform, or you can trade them mm-hmm. for whatever it is that you need at the big leagues. Because at the end of the day, prospects are great, but winning at the big league level, that's the most important thing. And that's where prospects are so valuable. So I'm not saying to trade Drew Waters by any means, but it's good to know that you have those kinds of tokens. It's good to know that you have that kind of currency to where if you needed him to come up and fill a role in the big league club, he could do that. If you had a a situation come up where a a trade fell into your lap and that was the cost to get you what you needed to go out and win a World Series this season, you've got that too. Uh, So that's where I see so much value there with Waters, with Harris, with others. And for Drew, I mean, looking at what he's done in the last few seasons in the minor leagues, 2019, he's a 300 hitter. 2018, he was a 300 hitter. Mm -hmm. That would be my expectation. I think if he can do that at those levels, I think eventually he'd be able to do that in the big leagues. And doing that as a switch hitter from both sides, boy, what a lot of value. Uh, So excited about him and excited about Harris and, and know that whatever may come, the Braves as an organization are sitting in a really good spot to be very good and very deep at that position for a long time. Yeah, quite a few nice outfield prospects, as you talked about Waters. Also, Michael Harris, who has opened some eyes, turned some heads, maybe a little bit of both this spring, and he may have the biggest upside of any of the Braves' young outfielders in the system, but it's nice to have multiples of that, to have both the quality and the quantity, which I do feel like the Braves still have among their outfielders. Trey Harris, Justin Dean, these are guys getting looks this spring. I think they've they got some value as they continue to climb in the minor leagues as well. The Braves have got some nice, well-rounded athletes in the outfield. And again, as you pointed out, it's good to have no shortage of these kinds of guys climbing the system and fighting for jobs year over year. And I think it's going to be fun to see how each of these guys takes their game to that next level once the minor league baseball season gets started in full which I imagine will happen sometime on or after about the first week of May, and these guys can start playing real games again. I think that's going to be huge as well. I talked to some folks about the Gwinnett alternate site, and I don't know how much feedback you've gotten about this, but it seemed like it was a little bit better for pitchers than hitters because hitters, it was more of a Groundhog Day situation than really Mm -hmm. the value that you'd get from going out, facing a lot of different pitchers day in, day out and really playing the all-around game as opposed to just going up and hitting eight or nine times a day, even if they're competitive at bats. It was just a really weird situation as they tried to kind of grow and develop those guys, but also keep them ready in case the big league club needed you. 
you know, the ultimate site was interesting. It, it served a purpose. It gave the major league clubs last year what they needed. But for these young guys, for the prospects, for the minor league players, there's nothing that can make you better than playing in games every single day. There's no simulation. There's no drill. There's nothing that can really prepare you like actually playing the games every single day. And I think it's a good point that you bring up. I mean, it was good for a lot of those guys, but I think some other guys, it just wasn't the same as you know, what you would normally have right. in a summer playing every single day. And, and getting back to that normalcy is going to be good for them all the way around and making them much better ball players, which is exactly what they need to be doing at 2021-22. They can make humongous strides over the course of one summer in minor league baseball. And, and for some of those guys, you're putting the finishing touches on what it's going to take for you to be a big leaguer. For others, like Michael Harris, who hit, what, 350 in rookie ball mm-hmm. two years ago, uh, the strides that he could make with a full uh, minor league season, playing every single day uh, with normalcy against another team, it, it does so much for the value and the overall talent of those young men. So that'll be big for them, and what they do from there, that's up to them. But I think there will be opportunities a year from now for an everyday position in the big leagues, and I think by the time we get to this time next year, we'll be talking about how much those guys benefited from being back to a normal minor league season and, and being wherever it is that they're going to be for the summer. Yeah. Most definitely. I think we're all looking forward to the normalcy that this baseball season may provide being different than what it was in 2020. Thankful we got what we got last year, but I think the excitement of getting back to a full season and including the changes that are going to be happening in the minor leagues, seeing how those things play out. There's a lot of different storylines to follow here in 2021. Ben, I appreciate all your time so much, and I'd be remiss not to tell you, I know we've spoken uh, before this about it, and I've already extended my congratulations, but you know, you've worked hard year over year and really grown into a career that has you in one of the, I think, the best places you can possibly be, one of the best jobs in baseball, and that's to be the voice of a major league team. And I know you've called a lot of Braves games in your career thus far, but I think you got a lot more to go as you become a full-time voice of the Braves beginning this season. My congratulations to you, and it's been my genuine pleasure to work alongside you and with you over the past few years as well. Well, I appreciate it, brother. And the thing that I've really enjoyed about our conversations, I mean, you have such a passion for the game, and, and so do I, and, and I enjoy our conversations. And I uh, know that we have another season coming, and we have a lot to be excited about with this ball club for the next few seasons for sure. So cannot wait to uh, see how that plays out. Looking forward to more conversations about this ball club. Well, he's Ben Ingram. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Ingram Radio, and you can hear him nightly on the Braves Radio Network and, of course, 680 The Fan in Atlanta as well. Ben, again, thanks for all your time. I look forward to catching up with you soon. You got it, man. Thanks, Grant. As always, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Would love your ratings and reviews. If you'd be so nice as to share the show with a friend, that would also be super helpful. On Twitter, find me at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y, at From the Diamond underscore is where you can find the show. I'm also on Instagram at Grant McCauley and at From the Diamond there. And you can find From the Diamond on YouTube. Just search for my YouTube channel. Just punch in Grant McCauley and you will find those episodes and maybe some special interviews and features over there on the YouTube channel. And if you missed any of that and would like some articles and other insight, I got you covered at FromTheDiamond.com. So that wraps up our outfield preview, which leaves me with two more episodes as we get set for opening day here in less than two weeks. we got to look at the Atlanta Braves catchers, and then we're going to take a deep dive into the Atlanta Braves prospects and get you sized up on some of the exciting young talents when we wrap up our preview series here in the not-too-distant future. Once again, I appreciate you making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen, and I look forward to coming back at you this time next week with a look at the Atlanta Braves catchers 
And we'll do this whole thing all over again with another special guest and some great Braves talk for you right here on From the Diamond. My thanks again to Ben Ingram and my thanks again to you for tuning in this week. I look forward to catching up with you next time. And until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone. you want.